the Own Your Intuitive podcast is for the creatives, spiritual entrepreneurs, and light workers in the world. The shining ones who have been told to dim their light and stop believing in magic. I say screw that. The time to rise is now to bring your gifts out into the world in a big way, creating a business that feeds your soul and your bank account. You are a magical being with the potential to change the world, one human at a time. The time for you to own your intuitive is now. Hey everybody, I have a very special treat for you today. As soon as I met this human, I knew immediately that there was something special and that I could not wait to support and help guide and like go on this journey with him in every way possible. He is one of the most highly skilled and crafted crafted artists that I've ever met. He is taking the world by storm. He is mixing things up. You are definitely a dis- oh disruptor, sir. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so excited to have Adam Parsons on the podcast today. Hello, Adam. How are you? Hi, how are you? My gosh, check is in the mail. Thank you for that <laughs> open up. Jeez. Okay. Got a lot to live up to here. Let's bring it. Well, I think that like there was something because I don't plan these intros, but like when I'm talking to you and I'm sitting with you here from a different perspective from the interviewer, I'm like, no, you are a disruptor in a way in all yeah. fields in which you do things. Yeah, I do. I, lo- I love to challenge people to, uh, I-, I challenge people with my art, but I like to challenge them with themselves too. And typically, you know, since it's from a visual standpoint, it's in their brand. I just, yeah, I love to disrupt people and make them rethink things a little bit. I love that. So people are like, what? He's a what? Can you like, so can you <laughs> explain to people who Adam Parsons is right now? Yeah. In fact, I actually think I've never told you this story. So it'll just take a couple of minutes, but I uh, was in Japan. I was teaching English and art. And then I came to America in 1999 and I knew nothing about um, computers, knew nothing about uh, design or anything like that. I was a children's book illustrator and I was a painter and I had no money. And so I couldn't afford to get everything um, uh, put onto uh, frames and things like that. So a friend of mine said to me, hey, uh, why don't you use my laptop and you can build a website in something called Dreamweaver? And I was like, okay, not a problem. So I built this website, I took some photographs with my uh, camera. I had a very, very cheap uh, camera from Japan. It was like a two megapixel camera. And I built this website and it would only run on that laptop because I made it all wrong. So I go to this guy who, want, who I wanted to buy one of my pieces of art. And he said to me, hey, um, I like your website. Will you build me a website? So I became Adam, the web designer, even though I knew nothing about what I was doing. So then I go to this one um, uh, creative agency with my website abilities And I said to them, hey, um, I would love to come and work at this graphic design firm. Here's my pictures. And the lady said to me, I was actually a um, telemarketer at the time. I was getting paid $24,000 a year. And the lady said to me, well, I I love your work, meaning my illustration. She said, how much do you want to earn? I said, anywhere between $35,000 and $45,000 a year. And so I was like, okay. And then uh, she said, yeah, this, this stuff is, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. And then she said, um, okay, this is, I muted it. Um, then she said, um, I want to earn, uh, she said, uh, this is beautiful work. How much do you want to earn? I said, anywhere between 45 and 55 a year. Thinking she was going to say, I thought you just said 35 to 45. 
And she said, so you want 55? And I said, well, that would be great. So overnight, I went from 24000 to $55,000 a year. And she had one client in Augusta, Georgia, this tiny little company called Frigidaire. Just a tiny little company. So now I'm working. She said to me things like, can you do a clipping path? And I was like, absolutely, going on to Google, what is a clipping path? Finding out what these things are on the job. And she has tiny little clients like Best Buy, tiny little clients like all these different people. So anyway, um, I have the picture that you see behind me. Oh, for goodness sake, go away. So I have this um, picture behind me. I'm sorry, it's all connected to my computer. So it's, it's all to- good. It's all good. So, so basically, I have this picture behind me called the Times of, uh, the Times of Rhymes. And um, I left my job and the marketing director of Frigidaire said, hey, can, we, um, can I take this to one of my friends who works for Inesco, which is a big giftware company? And so we went up to Illinois, showed it to them, and we actually ended up taking over all of their business. So now, uh, so we brought all of their advertising down to Augusta, Georgia. So now I'm working with Precious Moments, Cherish Teddies, Disney, Nickelodeon, all under this giftware company. All this guy that knows nothing about design. I was going to say, no, I didn't, I don't think, that was 1999. That was 2003. So when, but you, you did your first, your little website for yourself was in 1999 and within four years. Yeah, 2000. So and so I was basically just winging it and I was really good at doing PowerPoint presentations and I still am. I'm, I, I, I'm, that's actually one of my superpowers, that along with uh, Photoshop. And so we took over all of the business of this company and then it just grew out from there. So from there I went to an educational software company and they asked me how much I wanted to earn and I threw out this ridiculous number and they gave it to me and everything was learned on the job. I'm addicted to learning. So I would get the manuals for Photoshop, the manuals for InDesign, and I would just like plow through them. Um, I don't like reading books, but I love reading manuals. And Interesting. Oh my gosh, I can just absorb them so much. And that's why I'm doing it with video right now. So then I was working with, you know, all these educational software com- companies. So for example, I was working with um, the state of Florida was one of, my cli- one of my clients. It was just crazy, like how this thing grew up. And over the 20 years, I just got really good at understanding not just design, but personalized design, particularly things with like speakers and, um, and individuals, because I love um, chasing after the passion rather than just chasing after the brand. So for example, if somebody says to me, I want to um, build a presentation, my, my first question is, well, why? Tell me who the audience is. Who's it going to? What, what, what reaction are you getting from that? Are you going to be putting up a presentation or are you looking to um, just read off it? Like, tell me all the purposes of what you're doing with the brand. And I just got really, really good at it. And that's why my art fell by the wayside because I got, um, basically people will pay me to look out for their brand. They don't, you know, my art is my passion. I'm not willing to compromise that area. Did I answer that question? Well, it does tell us who you are and what you do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, you said you love working with speakers and, you know, from what I know of you, like, and we've talked about this, like the visionary, the person who sees the world as like bettering it in some way yeah. or creating a massive shift or change in the lives of others with their work. Like that's what fires you up. 
Yes, people, uh, people purchase passion, and I do too. So if I can see that you're passionate about the thing that you do, woo, that lights me up. It gets me excited. And I'm like, okay, you're excited, so I'm excited. Now, how do we get people to see the vision of that brand? Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's one thing for you to have that energy. It's another thing to be able to capture that into resources. I was just showing somebody this, this uh, Louise Hay stuff, right? Her, the energy that are in these cards is fantastic, but it, it goes over into everything that she does. Branding is like incredibly important. And if you, the, the thing that I want everybody to know is everybody's branded, everybody. The problem is, is it good? <laughs> because a lot of people have really shitty brands and they don't, and they don't even know it. Because the moment, it's, it's like, for example, have you ever been to a book signing and you take that book and you're yes. about to sign that book <laughs> and then somebody goes, there's, a, there's an error on page 57. Did you see that? There's always going to be that person that can find something wrong with something. Yes. So my job is to create the consistency in the brand and make sure that everything looks right. And I get very territorial over my brands, the people that I look up. Well, it's because you love everyone. Like you, in a way, like as soon as you are invested in the experience and the passion, like you're just a loving individual. That's what That's I answer. love about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely. Oh, dogs getting involved too. Um, um, yes, I'm very passionate about. Um, if if somebody is passionate about that thing, I get passionate about it too. Um, I also, um, I never. I have opinions about people's brands, but I don't mind if they fight me back. But after a certain amount of time, this is one thing I, I kind of want to get, get out there. A lot of y'all don't know what's best for you when it comes to the visual aspects of your brand. So you have these opinions of what you like. Like for example, you'll say, I like pink. And I'm like, honestly, don't give a fuck if you like pink. It, I don't care about what you like. What does the consumer, what does your primary consumer like and need? That's just something I'm really, really passionate about. So, Which I think is something that makes you highly gifted, Adam, because you are in tune with what the, like you can almost place yourself in the energy of the person looking mm -hmm. at your branding, as opposed to simply creating a brand, you're experiencing it from the level of somebody else looking in on it and saying, mm -hmm. how does this make me feel? Right. What, what I have is a thing called, a, a, and I hate the word pragmatic, but I have a pragmatic path. You have a, a client on one side, sorry, a consumer on one side. You have a customer on the other side. You have you in the middle, and your job is to try and get them from there to there. Now, tell me that path. And most of you can't do it. Most of you, when I actually start walking you through that path, you realize, like, they go, I need a website. And I'm like, why? Show me something that proves that you need a website because I can almost guarantee you that 85% of your, of your customer group, they're not going to your site. Look at you. You're a great example, Tamara. Everybody is finding you on some sort of social solution, right? Yes. I mean, you might get some people going to your website to sign up to some of your stuff or if you've actually sold them through some sort of event or something like that. But your website is like an extended business card. If I had to take a guess. Yes. No, most of my business in the beginning, especially because I didn't really have a website and it's something that I, I let people know, especially in the beginning of a business, you don't even know who you're speaking to. You haven't even created your language. Even right. if I, and to be honest, anyone who's listening who has known me for a lot of years, this is, I think I'm on my fifth, my fifth, my fifth mm. website, like my fifth branded, like I was a 
patchwork, a quilt of different mm-hmm. people's branding until I, right, bef- right before Adam, I signed up for branding or else, you know what I mean? Like I am so hook, line and sinker for how you see the vision of your, your clients, Adam. Like it really is exceptional. I'm very sensitive. I'm very, very sensitive about dollars. And, and I, I look at it and I go, okay, we have a limited budget. It's kind of like when you go to buy a present for somebody, let's say for example, if I've got $10 and I can buy a present for somebody, I would rather buy a $10 pencil than buy a $10 whatever, something else that's like, you know, get best value for money. I'd rather buy a really expensive one thing than a really cheap thing at the maximum amount of the dollars. So I look at it and I'm like, okay, if someone wants to bury like three to $5,000 in a website, I'm like, why? I think most people need a landing page. I think 85% of the people are not going to come to your website anyway. I think 15% roughly, most of y'all probably have like an 85, 90% bounce rate. People are going to come to your website. They're going to stay for an average of three seconds. They're going to have a seat. So there needs to be some kind of call to action on that opening page. They might scroll down because we are naturally geared to be with scrolling monkeys now. That's all we freaking do. So it's like, okay, so then make a really kick-ass landing page, put some incredible photos of vibrant energy, and then packages here with CTAs all across it, CTAs, call to actions. And Yes, maybe you stand a chance. If you honestly think they're going to go clicking on the friggin' stuff at the top and you build this 30-page website, give me a break. They are not going down your website. Because basically what happens is your website is like a really nice house on a remote island, right? And Everybody is in the city. The city is LinkedIn. The city is Facebook. And you're asking them to come out and take a look at your house it ain't going to happen. They might put some binoculars on and look at it from a distance, which is basically coming from Facebook. They're basically looking through the click-through on on Facebook out to your site, and they'll look at it, and they'll go, yep, well, all my friends are playing back here, and they'll go straight back into the city. So you're doing a really, really good job because you actually do all of your marketing in the city, which doesn't cost much of anything, and that's where everybody's hanging out anyway. That's where you become the celebrity. Sorry, you can tell. I'm so passionate about this. Thing. I know, but I'm like, hey, me, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I feel like I'm, as you did with the, you know, I kind of dropped in the city and was like, I have no idea what I'm doing in the city, yes, but I, yes. I'm going to learn to be a city girl. <laughs> and so right. like, it's I all, can't all dollars. Citying. <laughs> but a really nice house on a remote island that no one wants to visit. I have a question for you. Yes. Were you always an artist? Did you start off this way when you were a kid? Um, yeah, um, I was definitely, um, uh, words of affirmation is definitely a love language. I had an art teacher that told me that I'd pretty much never amount to anything. We were never a rich family by any means. We had Lego and play people. But other than that, we basically, you know, my mom used to give me pieces of paper. And the irony is I actually used to start um, enjoying drawing because I hated math. And there were pretty girls in my class that would let me draw on their arms. That's pretty much how I just used to draw little tattoos of people on my arms. What tattoos did little girls in class want? What was your like go-to tattoo? I had this character called Mark, which is a mouse and rabbit cross. And I still have pictures of it. And honestly, at some point I need to do a video because there's a lot of um, kids out there that, you know, come and do classes with me and things like that to learn how to draw, particularly with digital art. And everybody either wants to just know how to do art 
or and, and just immediately be good. They don't want to put in any extra time, which uh, the Be Bothered campaign is something I want to talk to you about. Or they, they just think that, oh, their stuff just doesn't look good. And it's like, yeah, my stuff looked like shit too. It takes, oh my God, it takes 20 years. It takes 30, it takes a lifetime to get good. I still look at my work and I get hangups about it. I'm doing a piece right now. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't look dimensional enough. Like it, you're never satisfied. That's the, that's the joy of being an artist. You, you, getting it wrong is just as exciting as getting so it wrong. So Mark, your rabbit, yeah. what was it? A cross of a rabbit and a, yeah. and a mouse? Yeah. He was your go-to tattoo that w- the girls in your class wanted. On their wow, wow, (laughs) (laughs) you personalize like, no, sorry, I'm really curious about this. Adam, so would you personalize this tattoo for each woman dependent on the woman? Like, did the did it look the same? Was the was Mark doing different things for each? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't that educated. If I had to do Mark today, it would be pretty rude, but I um, (laughs) no, it was probably just I, I don't know, like. There's this beautiful, you know, that feeling you get when somebody is teaching you something and they're in close proximity and you just feel this beautiful, like, it's like, a, it's just this beautiful, your whole body goes, oh, I'm learning and it's from someone nice. And, you know, it's this beautiful feeling. And that's how you used to feel. So like, what kind of rabbit did I draw? I don't, I don't actually remember. I just remember that beautiful oh, I want to do this more because it feels good. Like the human interaction, like touching a girl's arm or something like that, you know, like just that physical connection and stuff. But that was your introduction into wanting to be an artist? Yes, that. And then when I went to the newspaper, I worked at the newspaper and there was a guy there who, um, his name was Elliot, I think. And he was the, the editor. It was a local newspaper. And he, I would take my illustrations, I would do these paintings, take them into work and show people. And then I started doing illustrations for the local newspaper. And he really latched onto me for some reason. I don't know why. Great guy. Um, so I was like, so for example, for Christmas, I would have like the front page of the newspaper would have my illustration all matted all over the, the front logo and stuff like that. And they used it for like five, six years later. Um, and that was like, well, you were still in high school or was that right no, after? I dropped out of high school. Once, once girls, uh, this is way too much for the podcast, but once boobs appeared in school, my, my grades just plummeted. I, mean, <laughs> I did so bad in school. I mean, yeah. I, I, I actually want to pause for a second. Cause if anyone knows me, I'm a high school dropout too. Right. So like, what, what, girl? Woo, woo, right? like <laughs> there is a level of, you know, mm-hmm just to kind of say this, like it doesn't define education does not define who you become like, because no, it creates the but, hunger, right? It, it's, it is. It creates a definitive hunger. I didn't want to learn what other people were teaching me. It was a little bit different. Like I was super, super fucking mm-hmm. bored mm-hmm. in high school geography. I colored, like there was a level of like, but give me just like you give you those manuals, give me at the time, anything to do with the human body. Mm-hmm. And I will absorb that information just like you will with your craft right Right. if anyone is listening and they also have been a high school dropout and they're ashamed Mm. of that do not let that be something i can give i can give some great perspective on that so there's this guy i know i'll leave his name out but i i was basically i got the ipad pro and i that's how i started doing digital art and um anyway he was asking about my story and they did that documentary and he's 
uh, and I mentioned about my teacher uh, saying horrible things about my artwork. And he said to me, um, I would have given anything for my teacher at school to tell me I was no good. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? He goes, well, I have ODD, which I do too, which is Wait, oppositional. Tell yeah, okay. Yeah. He has oppositional defiance disorder. So because this teacher said, you're never going to amount to anything, I've basically had a lifetime of saying, I'll show you. <laughs> and it's created that hunger. So I don't just go after art. I like charge after it. It's the same with being, I'm not qualified to do any of this stuff with graphic design, but I'll grease the floor with most of the designs out there. Not that I'm competitive. I just know that I'm really, really good at what I do. And I like to dig deeper. I don't just want to create design or brand for brand sake. Nothing about what I do is temp templated. It's, it's, I want to know about you. I want to know about the person. I want to know if it's a fit. Like, I mean, yeah, you and I, we get along great, but I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there who think I'm a complete asshole. And it's like, I don't want to work with those people. I want to work with the people I vibe with. Right. Can I, now I want to know more about you. So, you know, you started at the, you did what I, we call tattoo art, and then you moved into, you know, the newspaper art. Yes. And so you are in your late teens at that point. Yeah, so then I did uh, illustration and I, I went to Japan and uh, my first wife was Japanese. The economy in England was going terribly. So we moved, I moved there and I lived in Japan for nine years. I was a children's book illustrator and I started a school. And then I entered the, Jap uh, the Tokyo 10, which is like a contest within the Tokyo National Museum with this picture right here. And it won Best New Illustrator because it's awesome. Totally awesome. And... The whole point about this picture is if you actually look at the picture itself, it's actually not that spectacular. It's, it's, but it's got so much detail and it took six months to do. And I'm an endurance person. I like to do things that other people could do, but can't be bothered to do. It's one of the reasons why I walk long distances for working out. It's because y'all could do it. You just don't want to. You can't be bothered. And if you can't be bothered, that's the thing I want to do. And so um, I was doing all this children's book illustration and then I got divorced from my first wife. And uh, that's when my pictures started branching into a lot more intimacy and a lot more, um, uh, <laughs> there became a lot more boobs in it, a lot more body parts. And then I've got these two totally separate um, things because basically when I did it, you know, if you get divorced, it's really painful. It's a horrible experience. And then you've got, you know, who wants to draw a picture of a happy mouse while you're in that much pain? So I would rather draw a picture of separation and, and, um, and struggle and loss. And then you get that relief. Art is, after all, supposed to be, it, it helps you breathe, right? It's a release. It's a talent that you've been given and you need to optimize that for whatever purpose. So would you say that your art then has been exceptional at, you know, being a caretaker or a balancer for oh. emotions throughout the year? Oh, yeah. For all of us. I mean, for example, if you're good at cooking and you're stressed out, go bake a cake. You'll be like, oh, look at you with your writing. I mean, my gosh, when you write something, it's so obvious the relief you get from that writing. And so, yeah, um, my wife is also a writer. Like, yes, she's, she's, she wrote a book called Locked, uh, Locked In or Locked Out, one of the two. And, um, oh, my gosh, you can see the release, you know. And so every time I, I draw something, I, I'm like getting this thing out of my system and I feel like therapeutically whole. Um, and obviously in a, in a perfect world, as, as time goes on, I hope to be, to make my art, uh, my full-time gig, 
But the problem is if in today's world, everything is based around money. And if I have to become a commercial artist um, and they say, yeah, can you draw me a picture of your dog? I want to be able to say, I'm sorry, but F your dog. I don't want to draw a picture of someone's dog. I want to draw what I want to draw. And because I want to do that, my bill payer is I will do the branding and I will service other people through that. Well, and I mean, you may, to me, the way that that sounded was like disconnected, but you are so invested in each of those. Like you aren't mm-hmm. somebody that just goes a tippy toe in, Adam. Like oh, I've never no. met somebody who when they- but also my brands though. Oh my God, my brands. I'm so invested in the people that I represent. I love, I mean, you and I, like I, 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 I wouldn't say, I mean, we are, I barely even known you for 12 weeks. I, I deeply, deeply care. Like a, there's, there's something about, I mean, God, look at Matt. I, do you know, I've only known Matt for a week. Matt Patty. So, yeah. So there's uh, Matthew, uh, sorry, Adam did the Shucker Business Academy for Men, the very first one that I ever ran. And he came Amazing. down to Niagara, uh, Canada uh, for a three-day retreat. And I had a special guest there. Um, from Australia, Matthew Patty. Um, he's the one who did the Quantum Playground podcast that if you've listened to that. So, you know, Adam was introduced to Matthew and like there's just like these instant chemical reaction connections that can occur. And I talk about it a lot in the intros of introducing podcasts because it's like this inner knowing, this like instant like, yes, we are totally meant to be in each other's lives moment. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. What the heck was that? Dude, so, so when I did my course, just so everybody knows, when I did the course with Tamara, which by the way, everybody, guys, men, you need to do this thing. Like you think, oh, it's a little shocker. Really. It's not, it's incredible. And um, it, it's going to change your life in every aspect of your life. And um so anyway, we were meeting and then uh, Matt comes in and he starts talking about, you know, all of these, you know, the quantum fields and all this stuff. And my brain, I had the headache from hell. I mean, it was like right in the corner, big old migraine and everything. And Matt's sympathy level and Tamara's, their sympathy levels were zero. They're like, yeah, no, you don't. No, you don't. And I'm like, oh, I got to my, my abdomen is hurting. Like, yeah, no, it's not. And sure enough, as soon as I left them, totally fine. Totally fine. No headache. Driving home, I'm like, what? Headache passed. Uh, you are going to get pushed. And that is one thing that I hope that I do with branding. And that's one thing if you sign up with a course with uh, Tamara or Tamara, as I like to call her. I know. Uh, <laughs> you are going to be pushed so beyond your comfort level and it feels fantastic yes. and then you were mentioning that like even how much you've fallen in love with matthew in the last week you've only oh. known him for a week and it's just yeah. like you know the the level of experience yeah. that you bring adam like for in anyone who's listening to this podcast can already feel the at your energy but like yeah. to me you aren't just, you know, somebody who you meet, Adam. You are somebody Aww. that you experience. Yeah, I'm pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not. I mean, I'm humble at least, right? <laughs> very, very. I just think that it's all, it's all subjective. It's all, sometimes you're going to meet people you click with and other times you meet people you don't. 
And when you, I'm, I know I'm in this really, really active, high vibration state, but it's because I'm bouncing off somebody as beautiful as you. It's because I'm bouncing off Jeff, your husband. I mean, my gosh, if you guys, oh my gosh, he's such an incredible human being. Okay, but I'm going to ask you a random question here. Yeah. How would you define your energy before the Chakra Business Academy? Um, safe. Oh, 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 I've got it perfectly. Uh, uh, child support and a dog. I got child support and a dog. And that should be the title of my book. You know it's true. You know it's true. You were, there was a lot of energy that went into all, all the re reasons why things weren't happening the way they could be happening or you wanted them to happen. And there was a lot of like, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's natural for majority of people because I want to show that, you know, us as humans tend to get caught up in what we feel is the reality of our existence, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, child support feels very real. Having mm -hmm. a dog that's old and aging and needs extra support feels very real. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, paying bills, doing all of the stuff feels very overwhelming and drowning and, you know, that you can't see above the water. But it's right up there with my headache and my abdomen hurting. It's not real. And the thing is, it's like, do you, do you want to, it's, it's so funny. I just put out a, um, a quote to a client for a job and they said, oh, well, you know, this is a little bit more than what we were expecting. And I said, okay, well, I want you to be comfortable. And then I immediately went onto Facebook and I said, please reverse what I just said, because I want you to be a little bit uncomfortable. There's something about the magic of being out of your comfort zone. Um, my wife lives in it constantly, which is nice, but it's, it, it's, you can't, I don't want everyone to be comfortable. Look at where comfortable has got you. You're just, you're just moseying along, right? It's like, no, I want you to be a little bit out of your zone. Don't, you know, take baby steps. You don't just have to go whomp, but it, yeah, you need to, you know, if I'm, let's say, for example, if I'm branding you, yeah, I want you out of your comfort zone a little bit. I want you to put enough money in. I did the same thing when I invested with you. I was like, I'm going to put in enough money that I'm like, okay, when this woman talks, I better freaking listen. I've, I've paid enough money to listen to her. So it's like, yeah, you push people a little bit. And sure enough, everything starts like manifesting and, and, and magnetizing is a great word we use in session today. It, it starts coming to, it starts pulling towards you and you actually can't stop it. And, and that's where I'm at right now. I've got people coming to me that I would never have imagined coming to me asking for branding. So it's, just, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. Because it's, it's a very powerful thing that occurs when you mm -hmm. do the work within yourself and realize that that's the work that actually shifts the reality that you see in front of you. Yes, very much so. So yeah. powerful. Um, but I want to go back to when you, so you came to the state after, you know, you've won all these awards. Because mm -hmm. I actually want to talk about, because you sent me a very, very beautiful gift Adam and yeah. you know so, I want to I want to uh, first of all I'm going to get it so that all right. see it cuz I keep it beside me here like this. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful for those who are watching on YouTube but for those that are listening yeah. uh to the podcast. And it's really good for killing flies. <laughs> it's perfect. It's it's a book. It's a but it's a children's book. So tell me the story about how this came into existence. Okay, so I went to work for an educational software company in Tennessee, and one of my dearest friends actually uh, is a part, part owner of it. His name's Matt, 
And uh, he said to me, if you want to make this, in, uh, he saw the Times of Rhymes and he, uh, uh, sorry, the Valley of Rhyme. And he said, if you want to make that into uh, a book, I will publish it. And so I said, you know, I took him up on the offer. We originally made it eight by 10. And then we went into the focus group and all of these kids, uh, they, we were trying to let them, you know, um, uh, read the book. And uh, this one kid goes, oh, I've got a book. And she ran upstairs and she was in her house. And she came back downstairs and she had this big um, nursery rhyme book. And it was not very well drawn, but the size of it was just so majestic. It was undeniable. And she opened it up and it was like going into a world. And I was like, damn it, I'm going to have to redo this book. <laughs> so I redid the book 13 by 13 or 12 by 12, whatever it is. And then it got printed in, um, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. We printed 25000 to get the cost down. And so everything about this book is luxury. So it's a hardcover. It's embossed on the front. It's debossed on the back. The paper, you've never felt paper like this. Like when you guys, you know, you're going to hand this down. I've actually had people contact me saying, I need to buy another book because, um, because when my daughter left, uh, she took it with her and now she's reading it to her kids. Mm -hmm. And um, you can buy it on Amazon. If you're lucky and you find it in the second hand area, you might get it for a decent price. But if you're trying to buy it new for some reason, it's like 200 bucks. I don't know why it's become a collector's item. Um, most of the books are already out there in, you know, I have a few left. I'm reluctant to sell them right now because I only have like about a thousand left and I'm actually working on the times of rhymes and I want to put the two of them together. Now, this is what I really want to talk about because I think this is where it gets really spicy um, because <laughs> we both lean in. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm getting excited now. Now we're talking about me. <laughs> well this actually is all about you on some level you just tend to you're so gifted in at sharing how awesome others are but like where the yeah. times of rhyme is is about like this is something that ultimately could change the perception for kids in the world today and i oh, think yeah that, yeah this like, is gonna far surpass uh, can, can i give you my spiel you hit us with this. Okay, so basically the, the Valley of Rhyme, uh, sorry, is the first one, and it's got all um, rhymes that your parents used to say, say to you when you were a kid. Hey, diddle, diddle, cat and a fiddle, hickory, dickory, dock. All those 50 rhymes are in there. That's great. So I spent four years coming up with uh, 50 rhymes about the times that we live in today. And it, it, I'm not good at writing, but I nailed it. And then I made this big picture, and I included all of my friends in it and everything. And it just stayed as a sketch for many, many years. I tried to paint it at one point, but I just lost the enthusiasm for it. But then the iPad Pro happened. And um, so I decided that I would start to make uh, this picture doing it digitally. I honestly started because I couldn't think about what I wanted to draw. And this was just painting things. It was just coloring in because the picture was already done. So anyway, I contact Tim Cook at Apple, the CEO. And I tell him, hey, I'm about to do this. And he wrote back and he said, good luck. And I was like, that's not Tim Cook. You know, I, there's no way. That's like a bot, right? And so anyway, I start doing this picture. And a guy contacts me and says, hey, we're, we are at Taylor University. And we heard about you starting this picture. We'd like to make a documentary about what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, all right. And so anyway, sure enough, they came over. 
and they start filming. And I was like, okay, guess I've got to finish this picture then because they're making a documentary about it. And so I'm drawing and drawing and drawing and uh, send another thing to Tim Cook, like I'm halfway done kind of thing. It took 10 months to do. I thought it was going to take a year, but it took 10 months. And I sent it to Tim Cook, didn't hear anything back. So I was like, I knew it was a bot kind of thing. So anyway, I, the documentary comes out and it wins a student Emmy award. And I'm like, oh, now I've really got to finish the picture. <laughs> like, like, damn it. <laughs> so uh, 10 months pass and I finish it uh, and uh, I send it to Tim Cook and he said it was uh, simply amazing. And I thought, oh, that's just a bot again. I just thought, you know, Tim Cook probably has people working for him that sent it. So the next day I get a, a call from this guy from the vice president of marketing for iPad. And they said, uh, Tim, our buddy, Tim, forwarded uh, what you did. And he said, we just have one question because, like, how did you do this? Because we weren't aware that the iPad had the capability of doing this. And the truth of the matter is it doesn't. I actually did it in sessions and I moved it all over into Photoshop. It's a 30 gig file, it's 900 layers. But the, the thing that I'm trying to get children to understand with the Times of Rhymes, it is a great piece of work. It's 17 feet tall, it's, it's, in, it's quite something when you see it in real life. Um, is It's all about being bothered. I did little bits a lot. And that's what I wanna tell, I wanna teach kids and adults. You've got to get in the game. You've got to make the effort. And if you can't be bothered, there's other people out there that can be, and they are going to be the ones that win. I mean, and look they, at everything that you're doing. You've right, been, it's small. It's like I always say, small steps every day covers a large distance over time, right? We can't stand in one place and look to where we want to be and expect to take that big of a jump, right? Like that's right. impossible. It's impossible in any field, in any action and anything right like mm. we need to be able to see where we want to go and just every day no matter what if you do one small even if it's just one thing you've done something to yeah. actually move yourself forward in some way so i appreciate this what you're saying jeff olson have you have you read um the slight edge by jeff olson no so it, it that's what he basically talks about like for example if you eat a candy bar or don't eat it like does it matter he's like it doesn't matter it's like the slight edge. It's like if you, if you eat a candy bar every single day, it's going to be bad for you. But in the moment, it's like working out. If I work out today or I don't work out, does it matter? Not really. If, if I eat badly today or don't eat badly today, does it matter? Not really. But if you do it consistently over time, either things are going to get progressively worse or progressively, progressively better. And that's basically what happened with this picture. I just kept going and going and going and going. Before you knew it, I was like, holy but shit, this I is a movement. I want to actually go back to what the times of rhyme, what you're doing with this book. Cause I know you kind of gave the story about, you know, the picture of it and you know, that the iPad people were like, wow, how did you do this? But what you're doing with these rhymes is mm -hmm. revolutionary in terms of how kids see themselves or what, yes. like, you know, what can happen a hundred years from now when people look back. Yes, yes, yes. Encapsulated oh what, mm -hmm this season of the earth is going through. Yes, oh gosh, you get it, this is great. Yes, it's, it's so important. So for example, uh, Ring a Ring a Rosie is about the Black Death in London. Ring a Ring a Rosie is the whelps on the face, a pocket full of posy is the pus that was in the face from the illness. 
Ashes, ashes, we're burning all of the bodies. We all fall down, we're all dead. It's a horrific poem, but now we'll sing it in a nursery rhyme in a, in a school. Well, I think there's tons of things about today's times that we live in, all to do with vanity, the disparity of, of wealth, the disparity of food in this country uh, compared to other countries. You know, we're eating like pigs, and yet you know, there's people out there that are starving. There's rhymes that I've written, and they're all inside, all these 50 rhymes. There's another one about abortion. There's another one about um, health care. All these different things. are just Ice cream flavors, for goodness sake. There's lots of things that are fun, too. But it's like 100 years from now, this is why everybody needs to get involved with this book, because 100 years from now, you're going to be able to hand this down. And people are going to be like, wow, people live like this? Like, this is, this is crazy. Like, you were really that attached to that phone? It went with you everywhere? And is there one about one... a phone? Yes, yeah. The, so the one with vanity, with the man, it's, 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 there's a guy, and he's taking a picture of himself. And the, the rhyme is, muscle man, muscle tan. You love you like no one can. Bright white teeth and handsome too. Oh, muscle man, how you love you. And I just think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be good. Like, and, and don't tell me you don't all have an uncle like that. <laughs> Where you're like, damn, that guy's into himself. Right? It's just like, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see. And there's another one called Boxy, Boxy, which is about how we all live in these little boxes and the boxy life and the boxy smiles and the, all pretending. They're actually, there's one where they're taking a selfie and then the woman's got like a tear in her eye because they're just pretending, pretending to be happy. And then the one which I am mostly known for is the jigsaw bit because um, about not fitting. So there's another documentary that a, a friend of mine wants to make called Jigsaw, I'm a Jigsaw Bit. So it's about how we don't fit in the world. I don't fit. I'm a jigsaw bit. I'm not made for your puzzle. I'm fine one piece alone at least. I'll stay out of your trouble. And I used to have such connection to that, but somebody I respect told me that I'm not a jigsaw bit and that, stop smiling and that I do fit. And I am actually starting to see that, but I still recognize there's a lot of people that don't fit. And I love that they find they, they hear that poem and they go, oh, my God, it's not just me. Right. But there, there's a level of it. There is the ones that we're the misfits, we're the rebels, we're, you know, the mystics that we're, we fit with the other rebels. <laughs> right, right. Way. Like, so we do fit, but we don't fit in what this maybe the societal standard. You know, I was just at an event last weekend where it's like, you know, all of us entrepreneurs, it's like who in the entrepreneurial world really actually felt like they fit in as kids. Mm -hmm. We are the visionaries, the ones that will revolutionize the world, who will bring okay. things to life that nobody else can see. So there is a version of jigsaw bits to me that we yes. are all the jigsaw bits that then come together and fit. Well, the thing that's wonderful about what you just said there is yes, there's a market for both. Yes. So, for example, Marlon Jackson, who's one of my clients with the Fight for Life Foundation, he was an NFL player. So everything he does is about team. Well, my thing is I'm like, so that's Marlon taking care of these people. And a lot of the, the um, events that he does are team orientated. Me, I'm at that event going, all right, where's the scragglers? Where are they at? Where's the ones that don't? Where's my photographers? Where's my, where's my illustrators? Where's my? Because these people are taken care of. So yes, there's a place for all of us. And yeah. I love going after all these people. I guess the great analogy is I don't want to be in a band. I don't want to be like the drummer. 
I don't want to be the person doing this. Yeah. Right. But I do want to be able to find other people. And then when I, when I find somebody who's an amazing illustrator, I'm like, okay, if you finish your picture, do you want to talk to anyone? No. Do you want to meet anyone? No. Okay. How are you going to get it out then? I need a photographer. All right. Let's find a photographer. <laughs> all right. Hello, photographer person that doesn't want to meet and be with anyone also. You got a logo? <laughs> right? And we put exactly these people true. together. And I'm actually supposed to be meeting with a, a mother and her son um, pretty soon. And she said, like, my son wants to be an illustrator and doesn't know where to go. And he's a, he doesn't fit. He's that jigsaw bit. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's get him in the game. Like, so I like finding the stragglers. They're, they're fun. There, there are people, right? Like, yes, absolutely. Right? So there is a level where we see ourselves as being those people who don't fit in, but then we realize that there is just the same, a lovely group of people who don't fit in. <laughs> like, right, right. Fit and in have with no the people who don't to. fit in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they have no desire to. So where is the level of Times of Ryan? What's it, where's that at right now? What, what? So um, obviously um, getting that thing published is, uh, you know, financially is going to be uh, quite an investment, not to mention the story behind um, – you know, you can't just put it out there. I did that with the Valley of Prime and it took a long time for us to get rid of those 25,000 books. I want to have a mission behind it. Um, and so I would like to find, in my perfect world, if we're talking about my perfect world, I would like to find 100 people that want to give me $1,000 that would want to get this thing um, because I want them to be a part of it. I actually have a part in the book, which is also completed, by the way, where they will... Um, their, their names can be in that book where they can say, we were a part of this first um, first printing and I am going to give them 10 books and they're going to give it out to people and go, okay, remember, this is our history. This is, this is important. And I was, I was around in this time. I'm going to give this to my grandkids. I'm going to give this to my kids. And, and then it's going to siphon on down. So the times of rhymes is not really something that I need to be remembered for. Like who wrote Humpty Dumpty? I don't know. No one, like, who cares? Like, it, I want that to be the Times of Rhymes to me. I don't want to be all that Adam Parsons guy. Now, that's different when it comes to the love garden. And, it, and that's something we might talk about that. It's different to do with my, my personal art. I would like to be known for that because I, I believe that that's where my, you know, my, my true heart is at. But the Times of Rhymes is more of a, it's for everybody else. And there's other books that I want to do too. So a lot of that comes down to funding. It's going to happen regardless. Like, even if I have to fund yeah, it myself. people at $1,000 is not even that insane. The bottom line is, could I fund it myself? Yeah, I could probably find a way to do it, but I don't want to. I no, want to find really other to people. It together. It's such an honor to be a part of, like, it's a big freaking deal. I'm telling you, like, I'll, I'll have to find a picture for it. When you, when, if you see this sucker on a wall, it's, it's something else. So, like, if I were to say, like, I don't, like, oh, imagine every listener. So, like, if I gave $1,000 and then every listener that connects with this story gave $1,000, mm -hmm. like, I'm almost like I want to start a m mission with this podcast to see how, like, about creating that with you. The other thing that's amazing is it's bigger than, so I've got these, hundred, these 50 rhymes that I've made. But the thing is, when you put a child in front of that picture, and they start dreaming. Oh my gosh. They start coming up with new stories that you haven't come up with. They start going, they start drawing themselves. The, the one um, uh, event that I put on with, with a, a friend of mine, a coach at the time, her name is Carla Taylor. And she actually 
did these big blackboards and had people writing and drawing and creating for themselves. And that's the thing. That's the explosion. When kids see this work, they're like, oh, oh, by the way, not just when kids see it, when adults see it, they get involved. That inner child comes out and they start drawing pictures. And you're like, oh, this is so much bigger than me. <laughs> you know, like, no, I'm going to say, like, if I gave you $1,000 to start this off, I'm in the book. Like, my name's in the book. Like, yes. I'm in times of rhyme. Done. Yes, yes. There's okay. actually, now, the book is actually completely completed. And when we're finished with this interview, I will show you. Uh, there's only about a handful of people. See, I've been very careful to not release it yet. But it's completely done. Cover everything. And I'm just, I'm just not ready to show the world yet. Like I, I usually just like, bleh, just like throw everything out. And this is just this one thing that I'm just like, I'm not ready. Because you're waiting for the investment to market yeah. it properly to get it out right. And because I, I want to go to schools. I want to, I want, um, it's got a bigger purpose. So for example, the Carmel Library wants to um, put this full size 17 foot picture up there, which is in, in their library. Uh, they're doing a, um, what do you call it? The, the renovation. Uh, the renovation is two years, but they've already said they want to do it. Um, I was in the local newspaper with this piece, um, but I want to be able to go to put the piece up and then go to schools and say, okay, rather than me saying to them, this is what's in the picture. I want to say to the kids, all right, here's the picture. Now make some stories up. And have them dream, make them dream. And then the other thing I've done is I've gone in and I've taught kids how to do digital art. Um, that's that's really thrilling too. Because, you know, a lot of people see them on these devices and they're like, ah, oh, get off that machine. But now they can go, my kid's creating. It's just like, I feel like everything that I do in this space is very addictive, not just addictive for kids, but addictive for adults too. I can get y'all, it's so funny. I did a, I did a class on teaching kids digital art and halfway through the class, I realized all the parents have pulled out their phones and they're doing it too. Like, it's one of those things you just can't, like creating, man. It's just, it's where it's at. Because like, I, I you truly aren't just an artist, Adam. You're not just a branding specialist. You're not just it. Like, you are an experience. You yeah. are truly I am. <laughs> You know, I'm a really good teacher too. And right? the thing is, there's tons. Just so I, because I sound really cocky. Okay, there's tons of stuff I'm really shitty at, but I am really, really good at my job, and I'm really good at at making people feel motivated and that they can do something. I don't know why I give off that energy, but I'm grateful for it. But when at the end of the day you're on your deathbed and you know you do want to be remembered for one thing if you could pick one thing to be remembered for what would it be the love garden the love garden which i'm gonna have to have you on to another podcast obviously Absolutely. to even like even touch on that portion of who you yeah. are and what that is and oh just saying that thank you for that just being that just that question and holding that that just makes my heart feel like i have a literal moment when it's being filmed, when I see that footage, I'll be like, all right, whatever, big G, you can take me now. Like, I'm like, there's just, oh gosh, the love garden is, is everything. I know. And I want to be able to give it its full, like explanation and why and the story and all that. And I'm like, can Absolutely. we get that in, in five minutes? No. Yeah. <laughs> no <we can. laughs> so. So that will definitely be uh, Adam Parson comes back on the own your intuitive. I would love that. Um, but like if I were, if you were, if somebody is listening right now mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, 
I just, I don't have a creative side or I haven't like felt my creative side or been connected to that part of me in a really long time. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? Like what would be your, your words of advice or guidance for somebody? You're wrong. You're totally wrong. Oh, this is great. So, so everybody has a creative side. This is, this is the documentary. If you want to go onto YouTube and put in, um, Taylor university, Adam Parsons, illustrator or something we'll put like it in that. The show notes. Yeah. You can probably find it. So at the very end, uh, there's this part, they filmed it really well. They can get me all teared up. So there's, uh, at the, the end of the, uh, documentary basically says there's a lot of fishermen in Vegas. Okay. By fishermen in Vegas, it means if you are a fisherman and I put you in Vegas, you are not going to be able to do the thing that you're supposed to do. There's no water there. You cannot fish. And the problem is that we find that there's a lot of people that are fishermen in Vegas. I am just very, very fortunate. I am a fisherman that found fish, right? And so when somebody says, I don't have that gift or I'm not creative, I mean, fine. But that's total horseshit. It's just that you haven't got the, you're, you're not, like, for example, how are you supposed to find that you are good at doing pottery if you don't own clay or a wheel, right? Everybody has that thing. And it, we just need to find a way to lead you to water. We just need to find you to be bothered. That's the big thing. If, if you want to sit down and anything that you do a lot of, you get really, really good at. Anything that you put the 10,000 hours in. The problem is a lot of people want to put 10,000 hours into watching Netflix and playing computer games or scanning Facebook, right? So guess what? You know everything about Facebook. You're really good at knowing what's good with the new seasons of Netflix and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's, it's our story here is that when I was coming out of depression with my son and I was playing a lot of games on my phone, but I was also on Facebook a lot. There came a point when I looked at my phone and I said, okay, if I'm on Facebook this much, there's gotta be a way that I can create a business doing what I am spending my, my time doing. And I actually build my business on Facebook because that is the place that I was spending most of my time. I switched from being, you know, putting my energy into it to bringing energy out of it for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I actually just be careful. I mean, my, in my uh, view, um, Instagram is, is one of those ones you get really addicted to, but just know it, it rates how it feeds you. If, If you feed it, it will feed you back. If you leave it alone, you're going to lose people. It's so funny because in the past year, I've had so many people like all of my work and I did, and I finished the times of rhymes and my following doubled. And between that whole year of me putting up so many more pictures, guess how many people I've gained? How many? I've lost 40. (laughs) And so because I don't consistently post, because I don't consistently feed that animal, just know that, I mean, it's, it's a commodity. They are looking consistency, but that's again, that small step, like, you know, from a level of building a business and a brand, I am consistent on my social media platforms because that is, I always say we date our clients, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. dating, you're like saying, when can I see you again? Every time you post. And that's a story of like when my husband and I started dating and at the end of every date, he would say, when can I see you again? It took my fear away when I went in the house. It took my worry away. If somebody saying, when can I see you again? I went in there without playing any games. Like it was just so safe and wonderful, right? But in a level of (laughs) business, just by showing up consistently, that's what I feel like we do for the people who need us. We're saying, when can I see you again? They always know that we're there for them. They always know they can come to us. And speaking yes. about that, we were actually pretty remarkable at doing it too, though. If we just keep it, I mean, 
you've definitely got, got it down. Um, I started doing some videos, but like I want it, I, sometimes I want to be on, other times I want to be off. Like I have to, I have to pace myself because it can really become a full-time thing for me. Like I yeah. can get very absorbed into it. You're, you're very good at what you, uh, what you, I mean, heck man. That's Thank you. But speaking about like people finding you, where would people go to learn more about your branding, learn more about Adam Parsons? Like how yeah. do they find you? Okay, so the best thing to do is to go to adamparsonsart.com. That's a great way of finding everything that I do. From the branding standpoint, you could go to themoldagency.com. But, I mean, honestly, if you just go to adamparsonsart.com, uh, you'll be able to get to mold from there. Um, but the best thing is if you go onto anything, social media, uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, doesn't really make any difference. At Adam Parsons Art will find me for everything. Amazing. And one last question, Adam, I know that you said that, you know, not much of a book reader, you're more of a manual reader, but mm. has there ever been a book that kind of shifted you or transformed you just one that you could impart your wisdom on in terms of this? Can book we do matter? audiobooks? Yeah. Um, Edgar Tolley, is it? A yep. New Earth? A New Earth. That book made me understand so much. <laughs> it, I mean, it's kind of up there with you and with uh, Matt Patty. It, it's like one of those, holy crap, man. Like that, that book made me understand the curve. I could see the curvature in the world. And uh, I've, I've definitely listened to that book a good dozen times or so. Um, that's what no one's ever said so i'm super excited and it's funny because i think i own that one but i've read the power of now by eckert do you have do you have the audiobook uh no because i don't listen to audio i'm a i'm a you know as an author uh, i'm like a, ooh, just give me the yeah like, tactile yeah, saying, it's like the book. opposite to me oh i just i know i just i, know. I love the smell of books i love like the yeah. feel of books like it's a book like i just love the book well new it's, earth is going to you're going to be sitting there going right from the get-go it, it's like I mean, actually, Eckhart Tolle actually um, reads it in the, in the, you know, yes. in that soothing voice. Just, oh, I have to walk while I do it. Otherwise, I'll fall asleep. I love this. Adam, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you for having me. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you. This has been yeah. exceptional. I am so grateful that you are in my life and that, Likewise. you know, we get to I share mean, we're this both here. so cute. I mean, it's like. We are totally so cute. This is amazing. <laughs> well worth watching on YouTube, everybody. <laughs> okay, have a great day, all listeners. And I'll be back next week with another incredible story and human.